You are listening to the DIY Recording Guys podcast, your one-stop information source for DIY music production, with your hosts, Fadim Karaz and Benjamin Hall. Hey, Ben. How's it going, my man? It's going good, Vadim. Happy to be here with you again for our second video episode. I know. Can you tell I'm wearing pajama pants, or is it? Is it? am I pulling it off? You're pulling it off, man. You are completely pulling it off. <laughs> but, I mean, don't we Dude, just yeah. assume that with, with lockdown now that everybody's just wearing pajama pants or no pants? Yeah. I think khaki, pan, khaki pants sales have probably plummeted and are, will probably never recover, <laughs> is my guess. I'm well. I'll tell you what. When I finally need to go out in the real world again, I'm gonna have to buy all new pants because I swear none of them fit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Video is a strange game. I had a hell of a time editing the video. You know, I'm like an audio engineer for a reason. I want two yeah. channels of audio, Ben. I want left and right, and that's it. Yes. You throw all this video into the mix. I don't know, but uh, we're gonna give it a go. We're gonna keep trying it here and see if uh, see if we can make it work. What's new with you? You're going on vacation, right? Yeah, going on vacation. Gonna go down to sunny Florida to visit some in-laws. This is my wife's dad's parents, so it should be fun. Yeah, and they sunshine. don't get to see them too often, so it'll be nice to get some sunshine and hang out with family. So I'm excited about that. It's supposed to be in the mid 90s, I think. So I'm gonna get fried. Or yeah, I'll just wow. try to stay out of the sun. Probably my my skin is way too fair. I'll just burn in like fifteen minutes. So yeah, be careful, I'll man. Just, you gotta, uh, you gotta <laughs> watch that. Well, I'm excited for this episode. I we're doing a di deep dive, which is hard to say fast, <laughs> yeah. so I won't. I'll just say yeah, it slow like that. Di deep dive. Yes, and actually, exactly. this is we'll say this is your di deep dive episode because I actually. Yeah. Essentially, in, in between projects, I'm doing a lot of mixing work right now and some mastering, and I didn't get a chance to record my DIs. So we'll get even more examples of this, I'm sure, on a later episode. But we have some awesome DI shootout example. Hey, why don't you talk about it? What What'd you do? And um, before we introduce the DI and do a quick little rehash, what What'd you do to prepare for this episode? Sure, I I think we're putting the cart before the horse a little bit, but I'll talk about the experiment. No doubt. I, yeah, but I'll talk about the experiment a little bit. So. Long story short, I'm skeptical. I'm just a skeptical person in general. And when I hear, (laughs) (laughs) and when I hear people make very definitive claims about whatever it might be, something goes off in my brain and says, are you 100% sure? And when I hear people just say like very definitive, like 100%, like this is the way it is, I just realize that most things in nature don't work that way. Something gets triggered in my brain and I just want to challenge it and I want to find out for myself. Especially with like the age of the internet, there's just so much, not to overuse the term, we've heard it a lot, but misinformation on the internet, but there is so much misinformation on the internet when it comes to recording. So I just thought it would be a great experiment to set up, not only for myself, but to share it with the DIY guys out there that have maybe ever thought about DIY, uh, DI recording, like what is it? Um, what does it do to my tone? Do I need a DI to record? Just kind of all those things and wrap it all up into one experiment. Before we even get into the details, I think from what you told me, you sent me a text message that said something like, 
dude, these guys in my band, uh, they swear you need to go through a DI to get a properly reamped tone. And this is where we kicked off the discussion like, well, is that true? So I think that's that's how this whole thing originated in, in my yes. mind. Right? It is. So this is what we're setting out to discuss today and to prove today. So um, let's talk about maybe before you explain the experiment, now that okay. people know what we're about, let's go back in time a little bit. You want to do your rewind noise or not this time? Whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> That's pretty bad. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Episode, no, that, was, that was good. That was good. Episode 39, I believe it was, we talked about impedance. It was our four dummies by dummies impedance episode. So if you're not sure about exactly what impedance is, we go into great lengths to explain it on that episode. But just a quick, quick recap. So impedance is a term that applies to an electrical circuit. It basically, like to impede something means to resist it or to stop it or to slow it down. So in our electrical circuits, we have some amount of impedance and we have two things going on. We have something that's outputting a current and we have something that's kind of receiving a current. So if you think about your guitar, your guitar pickup is outputting a very small electrical current and then your guitar amp is expecting to see a small electrical current. And so one of the keys with impedance was, so impedance is a resistance to electrical flow. One of the keys is that it doesn't act on all frequencies evenly. So as we can, as we play with the impedance of the source or the, um, the, the receiver, I guess for lack of a better term, as we play, if, if there's an impedance mismatch, our tone will change because not mm. all frequencies are affected equally. So for the sake of this discussion, we'll talk about there's high impedance, which means there's a high resistance to flow. And something like a passive guitar pickup is considered a high impedance device because think about it, you have to, it's a vibrating string that's forcing current out of a magnetic coil pickup. That signal is very weak. So there's a mm -hmm. lot of kind of resistance to flowing electricity there. So that's considered a high impedance signal. Something like a line level signal or even like um, an active. Uh, guitar pickup, something that has a preamp circuit built in is a lower impedance signal because there's more current flowing. So that's kind of the key. There's high impedance, there's low impedance. Mm -hmm. And if we have an impedance mismatch, we will get some tonal change that may be undesirable. And that can be like, a, you hear it described as like a tone suck or like a high end loss or just the signal is too quiet or any, uh, any number of things there. So this is where the, the reason impedance is important is because this is kind of the history of DIs. The way DIs were invented was that somebody had a bass guitar and they wanted to plug that bass guitar directly into the channel of a mixer. Well, that's great, except a mixer wants to see a low impedance balanced signal, right? Versus the signal coming off of a bass is a high impedance uh, unbalanced signal. So you wouldn't get a proper tone and you also would get a tone that's way too quiet because that input is looking for something and it's getting something totally different from the guitar. So they invented a DI, which basically just takes that high impedance unbalanced signal into it and takes a low and you get a low impedance um, balanced signal out of it. And that was like the basic history of how the DI was invented. And uh, now we'll I'll kick it over to you and we can talk about the modernization because now there's there's actually a lot of different types of DI. We call them mm -hmm. all DI. I'll just end with the DI stands for direct injection or direct insertion. 
Um, so it's a way to take a direct signal off of your instrument and inject it or insert it into something. So that could be your recording rig, your interface, a mixing board, or whatever. So take us through like beyond that history and what types of DIs there are out there now. Sure. So, and I guess before I get into that even, the way I think about a DI or like yep. the purpose I would think of for using a DI is a way to simultaneously capture uh, a direct um, line level recording of my guitar signal and plug that straight into my interface and also take a parallel output or a split off of that signal to go into a guitar amp. So I have simultaneously the ability to record uh, two different tones, one just being a completely um, unmodified direct line from my guitar and the other being essentially amped tone that I can mic up and, and capture in another way. Uh, you would also right. use this in in a in a live context as well mm. if uh, if you wanted to take a line let's say from your bass rig and send it to front of house so that they can pump it in through the stereo uh, the PA system that's there so that mm -hmm. way you could have your same performance going to the front of house and through the the speaker system and that's same performance going on stage to your amp that's the main reason I would think of as using a DI and and like you said too or maybe before I get into that you you were going to say something yeah I was going to say what you're describing is a common feature of modern DIs which is that you get two outputs you plug one thing in mm. you plug your guitar in and a lot of them it's, it's not an intrinsic function of the DI but most modern DIs do have this function where they'll sometimes they'll call it a through connection where you can take that kind of unchanged signal and plug it into your amp but it'll also give you a balanced signal through something like an XLR connection, which has now right. been converted to low impedance balanced. You could take that to front of house. You could take it to a preamp as a line level signal. You can do any number of things. Uh, so that, yeah, that is a common, that is one definitely one common function of a DI and also one common use case. Um, yeah, keep going. What are some others? So yeah, um, with modern DIs, like, the three main ones or different types I can think of are passive DIs that don't require any type of external power source. You've got active DIs that I just picked up one actually um, by Radial that runs off of phantom power, which is awesome because I hate having extra things that I need to plug into wall sockets. Yes. So um, I don't think that's too common with DIs. I mean, maybe some bigger ones or, or stereo channel DIs, you might have like an external power source, but... Uh, it's either going to be powered by phantom power or by like a nine volt battery, I would think, for an active DI. Oh, yeah, I was going to elaborate on this. So a yeah, passive DI, like you said, it takes no power supply. So the, the functional, the way it works there is through a transformer. So a transformer is a way to change voltage or current. Um, and that was kind of the initial idea of a DI was that it was just a passive box. And there's a couple of things there. One is you need a pretty high output instrument if you're going to use a passive DI box because through that transformer and stuff, you have some losses. And so the signal can get even quieter. 
Mm. Two is that transformers are cool because they add color and they can kind of change the tone. In fact, Ben, when we, when you, I didn't look at the answers to your shootout questions, but I'm guessing one of yes. those signal chains had a transformer in it. And I wonder if I'm right. So well, that'll be exciting to see. Well, but yeah, I'm so the transformer, yeah, the transformer changes the tone a little bit. And uh, so yeah, passive DI boxes can be really cool if you have like active guitar pickups um, where you have a high output signal and then you can get some nice coloration or tonal change from the transformers in a passive DI box. An active DI box, another way to think about it is it's kind of like a preamp. It's kind of like an inline preamp yeah. because it has that active circuitry in it. In fact, my SM7B, which is, a, as we know, a gain hog, yeah, is plugged into this CL1 cloud, cloud lifter. lifter, which is exactly what you said, Ben. It just uses phantom power to boost the signal a little bit. It's like an inline preamp. And so some DIs have that capability as well. Keep going. What do you got next for other types? Awesome. So those are the two main types, but you'll also get, um, with way more expensive DIs, you'll get some tone changing options. I've even seen, there's like a hyper version of that cloud lifter that actually has I a tone that. sculpting very, knob very, on it. Yeah, it's got variable impedance. So you can actually, mm. we said impedance changes the tone. So if you had a knob that could change impedance, you could get different tonal characteristics out of it. Never played with it, but yeah, I think that's the, the principle. It sounds very cool. Um, let's talk about some other features. So we already talked about the through bypass, which I mean, I love using. <laughs> we talked about active and passive as the two different types. We've also got mono and stereo input DIs. Probably less mm -hmm. common, but you, you have them if maybe you have a uh, sure, like keyboard dual or outputs something, coming yeah. from something. There's yeah. even some weird modified guitars and basses that I've seen that have dual outputs for each pickup. So you could use it in that situation. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, you have a oftentimes a ground lift button. Nobody knows what this button does. I'm just kidding. But you just flip it. <laughs> <laughs> if you hear noise in your signal, you, you press the button in and hopefully it goes away. That's so true. I know. It, it's, uh, I understand it on, a the, like on an educational level. But when push comes to shove, if I have noise, I just press it. And sometimes the noise goes away and it's great. So, yeah. Yeah. I think you're right about that. Uh, we've also got, this is very helpful for me because my all my bases are active bases. Uh, a mm, negative okay. 10 dB ask you that, pad. Actually. Yeah. Uh, so having like a negative 10 dB pad, I think both my DI boxes have that actually, um, which is really nice because the, imp, the output signal is so high. I, I think it would still be considered high Z, but it's a lower high Z than a passive pickup. So you need a little bit mm. more buffer to that gain or else you'll peak. Like for instance, if I'm plugged straight into my interface, my focus rate interface, and I didn't have the 10 dB pad uh, punched in, my bass would just peak on the mm. lowest gain setting. Interesting. So I have to have that, yeah. Um, Two other things, one we talked about, tone shaping options with the variable uh, resistance and uh, polarity reverse. You'll see like a, a 180 on some of these, so you can flip the polarity of your signal. Yeah, yeah, so some, some other use cases for that, I was thinking of like, what are the use cases for the, by the way, the core of our question is like, 
does a DI get you better tone? And we're going to get into that. But there are some very mm -hmm. legitimate non-tonal reasons to use a DI. We already talked about some of them, but I'll give you a couple of others. If you're running a long cable length on like a passive guitar pickup, and especially if your cable is not super high quality, like there's these really expensive guitar cables. Um, if you're running a long cable length, Basically, that cable has some capacitance and resistance as well, and it will suck tone out of your guitar pickups. So if you're running a very long cable run to like your pedal board or to your amp, which is like at your friend's deck, you know, on the other, yeah. in the other house or whatever, you will get tone degradation. So another alternative is you plug your guitar with a short cable into an active DI box. Now you have a low impedance signal balanced that you can send a long way um, mm -hmm. Or even if you're using like a quarter inch unbalanced output, you might still have like a buffered uh, signal from the DI, which basically it's kind of like converting your pickup from a passive pickup to an active pickup. Now you can run a much longer cable run without degradation of sound. So that's one additional uh, use case. Another option is what you already said, Ben, parallel signal paths. Maybe if you're a guitarist, you want to run to two amp rigs. There's some people that do that. It can be cool. Uh, so you can do that with a with something like a DI box. Also could do it with a signal splitter, but a DI box mm -hmm. gives you some some advantages that we talked about. And another one is again, we also mentioned this already. If you want to record into an interface that doesn't have a high Z input, so in theory you'll see sometimes on an on an uh, interface input will have like it'll say high Z. Z is impedance, so high impedance means you could theoretically plug your guitar right into it. If you don't have that, if your interface only has like a mic level or an instrument level, you can get a tone benefit and uh, hit the preamp sweet spot a little bit easier if you're using a DI box. So those are some very real, very common use cases for why you would want to use one. But the question, of course, is if you have a high Z input, yes, can you just use that? And will your result be identical to if you decide to use a DI? And this is where we're going to go next, I think, uh, right? Yeah, exactly. So let's pose it in the form of a question so we can get like a like a perspective going into the experiment. So yeah. the I guess the statement posed to me, and then I have a question. Um, <laughs> questioning that. The statement posed to me is you never, if you want the best quality possible, you should never record your guitar plugged straight into your high Z input on your interface. You oh, even always the record, high Z input. Okay. Mm. Even the high Z input because right. And my buddy, who was very intelligent, he said, here's a couple videos that you could check out where this person's plugging into a $2,000 uh, universal audio interface and his tone is crap compared to this other one that was recorded through a $100 DI box. So mm. his, his kind of statement was, it doesn't matter how expensive the interface is, $100 DI box is going to get you something additional something different something extra that's mm. not built into an interface and so just me being curious thinks about that like well the reason to me that that doesn't make sense is well if i was a manufacturer of interfaces wouldn't i just spend a hundred extra dollars to build that di technology into my interface that's my that's my question so well, maybe yeah yeah for like an expensive interface yeah right exactly um, so my mm. pushback to that is I don't think you need to <laughs> record through a DI box to get the best tone possible. Like to me, mm. and even listening to the videos that he sent me, I was like, 
well, that could be so many different things. It wasn't recorded with the same guitar. Who knows how it was EQ'd on the back end? So my thought is that uh, I'm just skeptical about the whole thing, that you don't need to do that. So I set up this experiment, and let me talk about the experiment real quick to try to test this out. So I have this Morley splitter, which is pretty cool. You plug in uh, your guitar signal into this first input, and then you get dual outputs. And you can either run A or B or A and B. And so I was running it in the A and B configuration out. And I use the same type of cabling for all of my runs, so I know that there's no nice. difference in the cabling as well. Um, Good man. And the reason, the reason why I wanted to do it that way is because I was even curious that uh, the throughput or the bypass output on a DI might be coloring my tone in some way. So I wanted a way to split the signal and just have guitar into cable, into splitter, out of cable, into interface, and not even touch a DI, but still have the right. same performance. And so... Theoretically, in, in this experiment, if I have one signal that's just going straight guitar cable into high Z input on interface, and then another signal with the same performance going through a DI box into the other interface, theoretically, if I flip the phase on the other signal and add them together, there should be, they should cancel out 100%. There should be no difference. In if the they're tech. identical, right. So... I was just curious if they would be identical. And if they weren't I identical, then what's being added? What's being subtracted? Mm -hmm. What sounds better? So that's kind of the setup of the experiment. Okay. So just before we dive into the examples, I mean, just kind of thinking out loud, because I was thinking about this too, is like preamps, we know different preamps will have different sounds, right? We could take the same microphone, we could plug it into two different preamps and we can get two different sounds out of it. We all kind of intuitively know that. So to me, thinking about a DI from that standpoint, I was thinking like, okay, yes, it makes sense to me that going in through different DIs with different transformers or different circuits can get you different tonal results. I've never before really asked myself the question of what, whether my high Z input isn't good enough. Um, and that's an interesting question because again, I think just from this thought experiment of like, well, what if I use a different mic preamp? That would give me a different sound. So it makes sense to me intuitively that there would be some difference, right? Right. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Okay. How do you want to go about this? So you want to talk us a little bit more through your setup or you want to start listening to some stuff? Yeah, I'll just talk through what I recorded and then maybe we can pick and choose because I don't think we need to listen to everything, but we can just pick and sure. choose some things and then maybe focus in on um, the more interesting examples. So uh, I had three different signal path routes. So I had going straight into my high Z input on my interface. I had a passive DI box made by Whirlwind, the uh, EDB1, which is like a $40, it's very cheap, uh, passive DI box. Okay. Um, and then I just bought a $100 active Pro 48 radial DI box. It's phantom powered. So I wanted the mid-tier uh, 
active DI box to go up against the lower tiered passive and to see, you know, what, what sounded different or better. And I don't have like a so, high quality example, but go ahead. Just yeah. when you, w the output of your DIs. So I understand like one, your control is just straight into the high Z. Yeah. Two, you got the passive DI. Three, you got the active DI. The outputs of the DIs are going into line level inputs or how does that work? Just explain it. Yeah. So it would be a balanced line level input is got how it. they're going out. Got it. Okay. And you have, you're going into your interface is the 18i20 still, is that right? Yeah, that's the one that I used for this experiment, yeah. Okay, so there's nothing crazy, like that interface is pretty transparent preamp, so I think we can be, we can assume we're pretty consistent from channel to channel, like the preamps themselves probably, it's not like a two preamp or something where it's adding right. additional stuff, it should be pretty clean, right? Exactly, yeah, that's the whole goal of those okay. interfaces is to be transparent preamps. Um, right. So... I recorded a bass riff, um, just all Freaking the DIs, but riff, then, by the way. oh, thanks. <laughs> so good. <laughs> um, thank you. Um, and I reamped them to hear what a plug-in tone would sound like on those DIs. So you're not hearing any mic'd cabinet tones. You're only hearing the same DI performances with just some bass tone on them. So it might be worthwhile listening to just what a good DI sounds like, maybe to ground us a little bit, but then we can, yeah. I think, focus more on the tones because that's what we care about, really, right? Right? Yeah. We don't care really so much what a guitar what DI sounds like as much as we do what the amp sound sounds like. Fair enough. Okay. I'm just looking at my notes here to see if I can guess which one, which one was which here. Um, I don't know. Let's get, it. Let's get into it. So which one okay. do you want to start with? I'm gonna. It's gonna be weird for for people who are watching this. I'm gonna be turning around as I'm. My <laughs> samples are on here, and I'm talking to you over here. So we're still. Uh, this is still the learning phase for us. But if you're just listening to the audio, no worries. It's smooth sailing like always. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's. Um. I'm not gonna reveal any of what we're listening to yet because I still. I'm still. I still want to. Wow, Vadim here, and I want to see if his guesses were on. So I'll say from what you're listening to, let's just play a straight DI of the bass going through um, chain uh, chain A, if that makes chain sense. Chain A. No reamp. But yeah. you're not going to tell me which one that is yet. Is that right? No, I'm not going to tell you. Okay. All right, cool. Here's uh, So this is the chain A DI only. So we don't know what this is. It could be the high Z input. It could be the active DI. It could be the passive DI. Here's that. Okay, cool. Um, cool. Do we want to jump right in or talk, say anything about it? It sounds like a bass DI, right? Sounds like a bass DI. It's very, it's pretty balanced. Um, yeah, I, I don't have too much on. It's nice and balanced. I think the other, yeah, the the interesting thing is in the comparisons. Yes. Okay. Uh, let's play. 
just for the heck of it, one more just straight DI only signal of chain B for the bass. Okay, cool. Let me, do, I, um, let me do A, B, just a couple of switches. Good. Good idea. People can hear it back to back. So starting with A. Cool. So I did want to focus on two just like uh, straight signals without any reamping on them back to back to two different signal chains just to kind of show that we're talking about very minute differences here. <laughs> like I think that without knowing that you were listening to two different things, you might not even, you, you probably would never know that this was two different signal paths. They're close. And, and that was one of my one of my thoughts listening to them was like, I can make either one of these work just fine yeah. for reamping, right? That was my, my first thought. And then as I kind of focused in on them a little more, I could hear the subtle differences a little bit. And um, you want to talk about those or you want to do listen to something else first? Let's, um, why don't we just jump right into it and do like the reamped examples and we can go through all three chains and then maybe just talk about them real quick sure so let's do chain let's do chain a we'll just go chain a chain b chain c of the the reamped bass okay i'm gonna start with a then i'm gonna switch to b then i'm gonna switch to c then i'm gonna switch back to a and you'll see yeah you'll, then, you'll hear the switch and i'll i'm gonna wait a split a, a second or two to announce the switch just so you can hear that first initial contrast without me talking over it okay Cool. Let's talk about it a little bit. Okay. So my first thought was on the, on the DIs, I thought the chain A was, was nice and balanced. Uh, the contrast I heard with chain B was that B pushed the, the mids a little bit, like from, I don't know, 600 hertz up to like maybe 1K. It was like a little more nasally. And I thought the subs just rolled off slightly. And because hmm. of those two things, my guess was that B had a transformer in the DI. Am I right or wrong I think about that? I, th I think you're right. 
double check because I would be so happy if I was right about that. And <laughs> and if I'm wrong, I'm just going to edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will double check. So, what did you think yeah, well, was each one? I'm curious what you thought each one was. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't know what they were at all, so I didn't think about that. But my guess, uh, it's tough. My guess is that chain A was the high Z. And I'm kind of guessing here between A and C. A and C were almost identical to me. Um, so my guess is that A is, Interesting. is the is the high Z and that C is the active and that B is the passive DI. But you're you're really close. You're really close. Can't be A really close. It's three three options. <laughs> but I love your reasoning though. That's what I'm saying. A was you're, the high Z. A was the high Z. Okay. And interestingly enough, probably the most transparent. Um, Agreed, yeah. Chain B was actually the active DI. And active DI. Okay, does it have a transformer? Yeah. I'm oh, looking so it up right now. I'm guessing it does have a transformer, right? I don't know. But to me, whenever I hear the subs roll off and the mids pushed, I think transformer. Like, I got some some gear I mix through that has transformers. And when I engage the transformers, that's kind of the change that I hear. So that's the reason I guess that. And to me, that chain okay. B, I thought, so So I thought chain B sounded the best for like an aggressive tone because of that, because it pushed that nasally range, which distorts so well. Um, but yeah. at the same time, I was thinking like, okay, but if I was recording a, like a bluesy song or like something folky with a clean bass, I probably wouldn't go, I'd probably go with one of the other ones because they had kind of more low end and were a little dynamically rounder to me than, um, than B, which was like very punchy, very, very aggressive. It was, yeah. I think that even listening to the DIs, and you'll hear the same thing in the guitar, I think from both bass and guitar examples, I both got the same color um color coloration effect from both yeah um and to me what it felt like was using the active di box it felt like the guitars were kind of just poking out more they just like stood out more and it's probably because like you said the mids were more forward our ears are sensitive to that one kilohertz um frequency so if they're colored to be more forward at that frequency, then they're going to appear like they're more present, just more mm -hmm. in your face in the mix. I yeah, think that absolutely. I think the interface tone was probably the cleanest, and something about the passive DI made my bass tone darker in a way that could work depending on the situation, but I think was probably my least favorite of the three options interestingly enough yeah i agree and now that you say that i'm like i should have yeah you're right because there was a little bit of a high end rolled off and there was a bump on that chain c1 in like the 100 hertz range so it, it, it got a little bit boomier maybe just a little bit darker in general and thinking about it now that's kind of what you would expect because again those transformers it's a passive thing so it's sucking some high frequencies out and um that makes sense yeah so I agree with you. I think A was the most transparent, B pushed the mids the most, and C was kind of the most rolled off. And I think they each have valid applications.
Yeah. Why don't we play the guitar examples? I mean, we basically we basically we have like our conclusion, <laughs> but let's play the guitar examples anyways cuz I think it's easier to hear. Yeah. All right, where do you want to start there? Same thing. Let's just go chain A, chain B, chain C cuz it's they're all the same as the, the amp, bass. Amp turn tones, right? Yeah. Oh, you know what? Why don't we play uh why don't we play just the straight DI so we can hear what the DI sounds like? All right, ABC on the DI and then we'll do ABC on the yeah. ABCA on the DI. Here we go. Sounds good. Cool. Let's do the amp turns. Yeah. Man, that is cringy on just DI alone. It just does not sound metal enough. <laughs> the um, you could definitely hear that that low kind of hundred hertz bump on on the chain C, and I thought for this type of tone and the riff you're playing, which is meant to be clearly like a tight, aggressive tone, that C sounded the least appropriate to me. And again, this is something yeah. you could deal with in the mix if you had to you know you could roll off some of that some of that low end you could push some of the mids but we always talk about this idea of getting your tone as close as you can to the final product at every step of the way so yeah in this case mm -hmm. i would i would my choice would was b um yeah interesting very interesting results man it's so interesting because i think it simultaneously so the two results from this are like they confirm my theory and it's also going to make me change the way I record, which is so crazy. <laughs> so I think from now on, I, I like the way that, that that Radial Pro 48 DI sounds so much. I'll probably record, at least for hard rock, I'll probably record all my basses and guitars through that DI box, even if I'm planning on reamping it later. Um, but I also probably will never record through that passive di box ever again unless i have to because <laughs> i just think that plugging straight into my interface sounds better than even that di yeah unless you're going for that like ro really rolled off kind of old school bass tone i agree with you i'd rather just have the the, the clean transparency of the high z input and then and then deal with it in the mix uh, yeah, very interesting. So I, I think at least my conclusion is that I wouldn't say either way, like you have to record with a DI or you should never record with a DI. I just think you have to know what your gear sounds like and know whatever you put in the chain is going to affect your signal, even if it's only, I mean, we're talking about 
one, maybe 2% change in tone. Really, between all yeah. these examples, it's very, very subtle. And I think that's that's an important take home too. Like, cause you, like you said earlier, these are all things that you could adjust for easily in a mix. N- neither one of these recording options is gonna make or break your recording. Yeah, I I agree with you. Um, your guitar does it have active pickups or passive pickup? That actually, it has it has an option, active or passive, and I recorded okay. it in the active mode. Really? Mm-hmm. There, okay, interesting. Um, so I my guitar has passive pickups, and I know that I, I use something called um, it's called the STD. It's made by Little Labs. It's kind of like a DI, but it buffers the signal off the guitar. It basically makes it sound like you're playing through a more expensive cable, and it also has a splitter option, so I can take... Uh, I can run two parallel signal paths. So I use that, but I also use, I have this, um, this is my preamp. This this is the 4710D. Um, it's got high Z inputs in it. And I will say another thing that this, this each channel on this preamp has, um, you could kind of adjust the blend between a transistor preamp circuit and a tube preamp circuit. And my initial thing was like tube, every, you know, tube is the holy grail. Yeah. My amps are tube. I want tube. But what I I did some 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 shootouts with DIs, and I strongly prefer to go fully transistor because, again, if you think about what tubes are doing, they're softening the transients a little bit, making things mm. a little kind of rounder and warmer, which is cool on vocals. I use it all the time on vocals, but on my aggressive guitar, if I'm trying to record that kind of guitar, I strongly prefer the clean, punchy transient dynamic response of the transistor circuit and that was something that i was surprised by because again you think like yeah i want tube i want tube distortion i want all that good stuff but uh, yeah not always no i i completely agree with you and i think that that's like uh i don't even want to say amateur mistake it's a it's a mistake of getting a new piece of gear and hearing coloration and <laughs> thinking all coloration is good sometimes yeah. you just want the most transparent thing you can work with later to give you the most flexibility yeah, yeah, that's true for sure. Did you look up if that Pro 48 has a, has a transformer or not? I can't find it. I'm on the website. <laughs> Man, I'm really curious about that. Um, while if you're... we banter long enough, I might be able to find find that out. Yeah, so I, I did have a couple of questions you can ask yourself here. Um, first question is, are your pickups active or passive? Right, I think that can affect your decision if you have again if you have active pickups you're less likely to suffer from tone suck out of a cable or long cable run and you probably have a higher output coming out of the guitar anyway you may be less likely to need a di although again like something like a passive di could be cool with active pickups i don't know Uh, it's worth checking out Next question is, does your interface have a high Z input? Not all interfaces do. Some interfaces just have a mic and a line input. And in that case, you might get some tone benefit from um, using a DI. How long is your cable run is another question. Uh, The longer your cable run, the more benefit you will likely have from using something like a DI close to your, your guitar. And then finally, you know, if you do have that high Z input, I think 
it would benefit you to do some shootouts. Um, again, this doesn't take a lot of time. You could do it with a signal splitter, or even if you don't have a signal splitter, you can record you know the same part twice and just um, try to be consistent with your with your picking and everything like that, and see which one works better for your sound. My thing, I talked about this on some other episodes, but I always like to listen to my DI and think about how close does the sound to my final product which is crazy because the tone mm-hmm. of the changes so much through an amp but for some but I can still pick out certain things like if it's too midzy or too boomy or whatever I can still pick those things out sometimes in the DI like the, I want to get as close as I can to my final sound as early as I can in my chain right that's in a perfect world that's how we would do it all right so we did a little bit of a little bit of digging here and turns out we're we're not as smart as we thought we were but basically <laughs> active di's don't have transformers like passive di's or they do but for a different function so passive yeah. di's are using the transformer as the way to change from high impedance to low impedance as we said in the beginning of the episode that transformer imparts some character active di's work on a different principle and the transformer that's in there, if there is one, is for the ground lift function, which again is just a way to eliminate uh, ground loops and kind of isolate the signal. Which anytime they isolate a signal like that in circuitry, well, not anytime, but a lot of times it's with transformers. So, unfortunately, Ben, I'm so disappointed. I thought I could hear the effects of a transformer, of like an output transformer kind of absorbing, sucking up some of the sub-frequencies and pushing the mids. That's not what's happening here. It's something else in that circuitry of that uh, Pro 48 radial DI that's causing that tonal change. So uh, that's one demerit for me, but that's okay. We'll live to fight another week. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's exactly right. And, you know, that's, I mean, that's so much of learning this audio stuff is going in with an open mind and being willing to be proved wrong and learn something at the end. I mean, we're all better for it. So yes, I, I learned a lot course. today. I learned a lot today and um, I'm going to do a shootout as well. So again, I don't have quite the same DI uh, that, that you have, but I have this uh, little labs STD, which I will do a shootout with and without it just to see if that really is making a difference for me. I think I always use it um, just because and because mm-hmm. sometimes I split the signal. But anyway, that's for another episode. For now, we're signing off until next time. This is the DIY Recording Guys reminding you to check yourself before you wreck yourself. All right. If you're enjoying the podcast, take a minute to leave a rating wherever you like to listen to it or share it with your friends on social media. Also, Benjamin and I are working engineers, and we love helping people turn ideas into finished productions. So if you're interested in working with one of us or just want to discuss a project you're working on, reach out. You can find my work at calmfrogrecording.com. Get me on Instagram at calmfrogrecording or shoot me an email, vk at calmfrogrecording.com. And you can check Benjamin's workout at dreamloudstudio.com. Hit him up on Instagram at dreamloudstudio or by email, ben at dreamloudstudio.com. And finally, join our Facebook group to engage with a whole group of friendly, like-minded people who are interested in DIY recording. Just search for DIY Recording Guys on Facebook. 
Thank you so much for listening and for your continued support. I'll see you next week.